0: Forever!
1: Dog! Just
2: between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey! Yo, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I'm back to brown nets, baby. I got dark brown hair again.
3: Your hair looks beautiful. Hi, I'm Gabby Don. I'm a writer, bi bisexual icon, wink, and I'm vaccinated for monkeypox, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess uh, Annabelle's going to have to redo our logo to reflect your hair and my inoculation against monkeypox. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little Band-Aid on my arm. <laughs> We did. I like that you responded because she was like, we just did the logo or, you know, we just redid the logo for the show to look like how we look or whatever. And then you responded something like we are notoriously hard to work with.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I said this is exactly why we're so we're known as being so hard to work
3: with. Yeah. Sorry, Annabelle. We did just redo the logo to reflect um, my gender and Allison's blonde hair. um, And now Allison's a brunette again.
2: But I really thought about it and I said, Allison, does it make any sense for you to not do what you want to do based on a podcast logo? I
3: <laughs> you considered it? That's sweet. Oh, I definitely
2: considered it. That was my only hesitation because I felt <laughs> bad.
3: Sorry to Annabelle.
2: <laughs> but um, you got to you got to do what feels right for you. And I don't know. You know, I, I, I wanted to try being a blonde. I did it. I often liked how it looked in Photos and videos. But I didn't always like how it looked in, in the mirror. A lot of times I didn't like how it looked in the mirror. And it just didn't feel like me. And I just was ready. Ready to to go back to to um an unnatural color. That isn't my natural color. <laughs> but it's closer to my natural color.
3: I like when you have dark hair. It's like vamp. It's vampish. You know? Yeah. Like I my
2: natural hair is more like a medium brown. But I went like almost black. Yeah, it's it's
3: got, like, a Betty Page quality.
2: Thank you. It still feels, like, funky and fun in the way that, like, having the blonde felt, but it feels like, I don't know, I just think it's more flattering to my features and, like, more more me. Also, there was something about dating a blonde and then going blonde while dating a blonde where I was like, this feels weird.
3: You know what? Because as Jews, sometimes we're like, it's a bit much. You know what I mean? What? Like, too much blonde. Like, if I see a lot of blonde people in one area, as a Jew, I think I have a natural, like, This is a lot. (laughs) Do I trust these people? (laughs) The number of blondes in this—like, if I'm in like a—if I'm in like a a stadium, you know what I mean—and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it's all blonde people. I'm like, as as I see more approach, I'm like, I shouldn't be here.
2: That's what I feel. I (laughs) should (laughs) be here.
3: Sorry. And my sister is a blonde Jew, and I know there are blonde Jews, which they're called silver Jews. Did you know that? No, I didn't. And so, sorry about that. But I don't know why. But there's some fight or flight that happens. <laughs> it's too many blonde people. It's creepy. Melissa just said, "I wonder why." <laughs> what do you mean? It's obvious why. Oh, I, I'm no, I'm aware why. I'm joking. <laughs> Anyway, this is Just Between Us. It's a variety show filled with heartfelt advice.
2: Ridiculous games.
3: And brutal honesty. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many. You're overpowered. You start to worry. Okay. <laughs> Your boyfriend, it's like he looks like, like, like if Superman was blonde, like he has this very like, do you know what I mean like like a very I don't know. he's
2: half Italian, he's half like yeah his what mom's a hundred percent Italian,
3: you know on uh, actually, I am watching the Sopranos, and Carmela does make a comment about how the her family thinks that they're better than uh the Tony's family because they're like blonde Italians, oh. so that's actually a thing,
2: but his mom's not blonde. He's the only blonde one. He doesn't look anything like the rest of his family.
3: Well, has he investigated that? (laughs) (laughs) Has he considered he might be from the Krypton planet of like, you know, sort of handsome, corn fed Midwestern people? I
2: don't know how to answer this interrogation. (laughs) Um, I do know when he was born, he won without his parents knowing the most beautiful baby of the year at that hospital. What? And then, yeah, this is, a, well, take this story with a grain of salt. But I've been told that when he was born in the hospital, he was, he won most beautiful baby of the year, but they never told his parents. And then when his mom had his sister, like 18 months later, she was giving birth and she was like, oh, that photo looks familiar of this baby. And then she realized it was her baby. And that his photo was like up around the hospital because he I won it. this thing that nobody um, told them about. And that his sister was born <laughs> under a photo of her brother being crowned the most beautiful baby, you know, which set up a <laughs> lifetime of dynamics.
3: I 100% believe this story. 100%. He,
2: he 100% believes the story and has grown up believing the story and therefore I shall choose to believe it.
3: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, we have got a great episode for everyone today. <laughs> this week, we're going to be asking Keegan Hadley some tough questions about ACL injuries, also Allison's knee surgery, also like, you know, just a bunch of stuff about athletes and mental health and what changes about your body and mental health. It was a really interesting conversation.
2: And later, we're going to be discussing public breakups. How much do you need to share? Everything. I want to know everything.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know what I know what prompted this.
2: You don't know anything about me. Liar. You don't know anything about me, how I live my life, my interests, or my favorite ice cream flavor.
3: It's Rocky Road. What? It's mint chocolate chip. Fine.
2: Okay. Yeah! That was just the lucky
3: guess. No, it wasn't. I knew it was one of those.
2: But it's not Rocky Road. Melissa's is Rocky Road.
3: I remembered it because mint chocolate chip is disgusting and you like it.
2: Well, I'm going to be launching a complaint against you after this recording. But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means? Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Cody, New
3: York City. NYC, baby! Bye-bye! Ooh,
2: getting your babies in a little early.
3: Oh, yeah. Cody's a cool name.
2: Yeah, I like it. TLDR. Is it my place to tell my friend that I don't like her boyfriend? Or should I just keep it to myself?
3: No, you should tell her straight up.
2: There's more. Okay. My best friend slash roommate has been dating her boyfriend for a little over a year now. From the get-go, we didn't really vibe. I had hoped to warm up to him with time, but it seemed the opposite has (laughs) happened. Maybe it's just that I'm not used to hanging out with straight men. But I find him to be quite condescending and rude. Yeah. This has come up in small ways, talking down to me and our other friends at parties. In bigger ways, he often resorts to name-calling and gaslighting in conflict with my friend.
3: Boo. When
2: confronted about this stuff, he always comes around and apologizes, but hasn't seemed to change. As much as I'd love to let my roommate figure this out for herself, it's starting to impact me and my relationships. The boyfriend has not made a great impression on our social circle, and multiple people have indicated to me that they don't want him around. And I can't blame them. Just last week, we all went to the beach, and the two of them got into a huge fight and cut the whole day short because of it. This was the first time this behavior was so disruptive in public, but it wasn't all that surprising. I'm at a loss for what to do. When I ask friends for advice, I'm often told to stay out of other people's relationships and let them figure it out on their own. However, I've also had friends in the past who've been very upset to discover that everyone knew their significant other was trash, except for them. I'm sure there's a middle ground here, but I can't seem to find it.
3: Best Cody. Yeah, you gotta tell straight up. What does that mean? Just be like, look, man, he's harsh in the vibe. He's killing the mellow. We don't like him. We hate him. Because... OK, you think she doesn't know after the after fighting and then the and then the beach date being cut short, there's a part of you in your mind. I had a horrible partner. Everyone hated them. And I
2: actually I, I, I didn't hate them, I think, as much as other people hated them.
3: Yeah, I think I think people really started to hate them in queer spaces. I think mm. maybe they were better behaved amongst the straights, but I also can I just say that you're kind of terrifying. So, like, I think at a certain point, like, like people I dated wanted to create like a good impression to you specifically. I don't think that I'm
2: terrifying.
3: I think they thought you had a lot of sway. Like, I think they thought you were like, you know, you were like Jafar to my sultan. Like you were in my ear sort of being like. (laughs)
2: Like almost a parental figure that you're trying to
3: impress. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yes, I think it. so. Does
2: Mal feel that way or not really because we had our big falling out during most of your relationship?
3: They felt it in the beginning, for sure. Because you distinctly did not approve of them. I didn't? Girl, do you not remember this? No. It's on Mike. We have to find the episode. Really? What do I say? You don't remember? No, not at all. <laughs> Are you serious? I think about this all the time. There's an episode way in the I have beginning. No recollection of this. Allison. There's an episode way in the beginning where I'm talking about dating Mal, and you say a polyamorous musician that you're like doing long distance with, who's a commitment phobe. Mark my words, this is a disaster. <laughs> you don't remember this? I think no. about it every day. I thought I always liked Mal. No! (laughs) Are you kidding me? Melissa remembers. She said, on the record, I want to go on the record as saying this is a disaster. You said it!
2: Well, this is like how my grandma probably (laughs) forgets that she didn't want my dad to marry my mom. (laughs) But now my grandma's dead, so I can't ask her about it. But um, yeah, I don't remember saying that. I will say, was this before you hadn't I ever met, met Mal? You didn't know I hadn't really know... met Mal, right? Yeah. You didn't know that. So really I was just using context clues. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I met Mal, when we all went out to dinner, I liked them.
3: Yeah. I think you. we went out to. um pump or one of the Vanderpump restaurants yeah Yeah, I think I think you because Mal had at that time been openly like I am commitment phobic I am a commitment phobe and so you were like "Mm, don't love that and I was like no 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 (laughs) no and so yeah it I think someone will find it or I'll find it but I believe you
2: I mean also context wise like You were coming out like a pretty depressive episode after a heartbreaking like breakup. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't think that like given the reasons against it, I was so far off base. Like, I think it's wonderful. It's worked out. But (laughs) I think that I think that like what the facts that I had at the time and the context of your your kind of fragile mental state.
3: Why? Because I was suicidal in April and then Mal and I got together beginning of June. Somehow yeah. that's not <laughs> yeah, okay. that's why. here's here's the thing. Allison, do you think that you set this into motion, right? Where you said, I don't approve of Mal. Mal heard that on the <laughs> podcast and then said, I shall prove Allison wrong, and that's why we're getting married to this day. Because I Mal, think is maybe. Proving, Mal is proving you wrong and has been since 2018. <laughs> 27 I mean,
2: I out I don't think that Kim Kardashian and, and um, what's his name? Pete I, don't Davidson. Think Kar- I don't think Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson would have stayed together as long if Kanye West wasn't so against their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would have lasted for like three weeks, but it was because <laughs> they had to, like, they had this common enemy that they had to prove him wrong and they lasted nine months.
3: Yeah, I think because Mal did hear you say it. Oh no. And then was like, and then was like, like sad about it. Well, yeah. And then was like, she doesn't know me. I can commit. Cut two, we're engaged. So honestly.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're engaged what? Three years later? <laughs>
3: Sick burn.
4: <laughs>
2: burn. Oh no. I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> To be fair, I don't relate to anything I've said pre like 2020. I don't think that anything that yeah, I said before funny. 2020 really should be in the record <laughs> as anything that I would stand by.
3: I love that You don't remember this at all, but it has fueled Mal for years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, back to our question. You want me to go get them? Yeah.
1: Hello Allison <laughs> I
2: didn't I didn't know that I ever said that.
1: oh my God, that's nuts okay because <laughs> that's amazing because it was amazing it, in particular because I thought it was so bold because we had only met one time and because you started it by saying, I want to go on the record. <laughs> And I was like, she entered it into the official record. I want to go on the record and say that, that you're walking into a disaster. So.
2: But wait, Gabby says that this was before we met in person. It was no, we after met, we met we in met,
1: person? We went to Sir.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So you yeah, had no <laughs> It was that we met one time, yeah.
3: Right, because it had to have been because um, Mal came with me after a camp, so we yeah. had already started dating. So, for you to know that we were dating, it must have been right after we started dating. Yeah. If we went, if we so you had met
2: Mal, it was, yeah,
1: only one time, but yeah, I, yeah okay.
3: We've... Well, I was like, as I said,
2: I'd like, I'm not defending myself because that was a disaster of things to say. And, um, but given the context of what I knew at the time, can you see?
1: Yeah, I can see – you because you were like, oh, you know, this person lives in New York and they're commitment-phobe and, and all this. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I think it, people people used to think – I think – well, Gabby thought that I was, like, sort of a player, but really I'm just, like, neurotic and um, depressed – depressive, so –
2: Well, they, I, I, yeah, they also really built you up to me as, as I think, like, a player, as someone yeah. who was, like, in high demand, as someone who, like yeah. – I don't think not that was looking true. To commit. And like, yeah. I think I was also very wary of the long distance. To be the fair, long
1: distance, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just—it's so funny that you don't remember that because <laughs> she yeah,
3: fully doesn't remember. And then I said, <laughs> you know what's funny is that it's on the record. <laughs> no, but I said, I said, uh, really, because I think that's why we're engaged. Because Mal heard you say that on the <laughs> podcast and went, "I'll show her."
2: Yes,
1: I'm. I'm defiant. I'm like, oh, I'm. I'm a disaster. We're going to get married. <laughs> no, I'm not a disaster. You said this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. On the I was record.
2: wrong. Look, I'm wrong all the time.
1: Whoa. Allison said she's wrong.
2: Wow. Wow.
1: I say I'm wrong all the time. You know all what, time. Allison? You, 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 you're, not, you're not right yet. There's still time. <laughs> There's still time for this to be a disaster. I
2: don't want to be right about this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Roll the tape.
2: I think that, if I may be so bold, I think that um, you're lying to yourself a little bit. And
3: that, no. like, your goal, like, you
2: know what I mean? Like, you're kind of, like, changing what you want no, to, but like, everybody, fit the situation. Every,
3: no, in this situation, everyone's got the same goal. Okay. It's true. but uh, right. th- And it's not this goal. It's not the goal of not ending up together. But I... What? The goal is to eventually be together. Okay. So I think
2: like look uh, right now, Gabby's dating someone, and I'm very cautious about it, and I don't feel good about it, and I have wow. said so. Wow, I'm on the record saying I think this is I think you're walking into a disaster. Okay,
3: well, also at least everybody <laughs> at least everybody is saying is saying their piece, and nobody, you like just it, Alex. Honesty is really important, and I think you can't keep things from people.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh my God! Well, Bye. I really apologize, and I'm really happy for you.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't mind. I, at the time, I was like, um "Can you tell Allison like because no, they're gonna know because you didn't say my name? You're like the person you're dating." And I remember texting Gavin, being like, "People are gonna know it's me and whatever." But at this point, I think it's hilarious.
4: Yeah.
1: And you're welcome to say anything you want about <laughs> me. And I, fe- well, I, I feel like I understand your sense of humor now. So, and frankly, you were half right. I myself am a disaster. No. <laughs> Melissa's Melissa Melissa's now saying this
2: Melissa's is why I'm dying. not allowed to officiate Melissa's the wedding. Dying.
3: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Melissa's dying. going to have to go back through footage. <laughs> oh,
3: some fan is probably going to find it in two seconds.
1: <laughs> okay, have oh a good podcast, goodness. you two. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm thinking maybe she should be our
2: officiate. We can start the ceremony with me playing the recording of Sometimes John is like, I don't understand why so many people haven't liked you over the years, and you've struggled so much socially. I could be like, I have evidence <laughs> now. I've, this is because I said shit like this because <laughs> I had
3: no censor or like self awareness that like some things you should keep to yourself. I think this does answer the listener's question. I don't do it. <laughs> This is my favorite
2: episode. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give one quick piece of advice. Yeah, please. For real. Okay. I think you should ask for consent before you share your opinion. I think you should say, hey, I've been feeling some stuff about, like, this guy and, you know, and, and like, maybe some concerns about your relationship. But, like, I don't want to say them if you don't want me to because I totally understand that that's not my place. And sort of like let them either decide to have that conversation with you or not versus just saying it uh, publicly. I think you should start a podcast podcast
3: (laughs) and then tell them to their face on the podcast. We, we need to take a break
2: if you want to submit your question if you want to submit your international question you can send it to just between us, pod at gmail.com that's justbetweetus pot at gmail.com
3: oh my god up next we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest Keegan Hadley stay tuned
2: justbetweet Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all
3: of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Keegan Hadley, who is a doctor of occupational therapy who specializes in using psychological treatments such as ACT with clients. He's passionate about joint health, the psychology of injury and entrepreneurship. Hello and welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much, guys. Happy to be here.
3: So
2: this is my guess. Let's be honest. This is this is for me. This is my way to just get your input in my own life for the next thirty minutes. Um, because uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of what you do has to deal with people recovering from knee surgery, ACL yep. surgery, I think specifically. But then I had something called MPFL um, reconstruction mm-hmm. six months ago, which look, I'm not gonna brag, but is a harder recovery than ACL. No, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I've
0: I've heard, I, I've heard, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
2: So can we talk to start just a little bit about what got you interested in in this like kind of specific area of recovery?
0: Yeah, so um, I, I played uh, you know American football for a long time, probably I don't know almost two decades. I think in it uh, during that time I tore both my ACLs, requiring four surgeries. So you know just went through it a lot, and what I noticed through you know uh, that experience was the psychological or emotional side of those injuries actually affected me a lot more than the physical side because for whatever reason I bounced back decently well physically but just really struggled with you know a number of different things you know mentally so like what well for example a, a lot of people who are in sports you know through college or after either, their sport really becomes who they are it's how they cope with things it's you know it's it's their very being you know if they have a bad day they kind of know what they need to fix tomorrow for you know to have a good day like to have a good practice and that would kind of dictate if i was gonna have a good day or not so that's that's very easy to manipulate but when you're taken out of that sport and all your you know positive coping mechanisms are just kind of thrown to the wayside usually i mean most people uh might be better than me but a lot of people um you know, uh, revert to kind of negative coping mechanisms like substance abuse, uh, many other things. But that's kind of what I've seen with not only my clients, but from my own personal story.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is it's a really wild thing to lose your body, even if it's temporarily, but just to, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think immediately after my surgery, so much of it was like, oh, my God, I'm in unbelievable amounts of pain. And so the pain was very much like the focus. And like Mm -hmm. it was just like this thing of like I just got to get through the day. I got to get through the day. And now that I'm like out of it where I can do a lot of things, but I'm still not better, like I still can't you know, I, mm-hmm. I I still can't crouch. I can't walk for extended periods of time. Going yeah. up and down stairs are still difficult. Like all, you know, I'm still very much aware that it's not my regular knee. I'm now at this point feeling that mental issue where I'm like getting just really like mentally frustrated at how long yeah. this recovery is. And so yeah, for sure, how do you kind of help patience with that part of it all that like you you think that you're past the worst of it but then suddenly it's it's frustrating in a different way
0: yeah so uh essentially the the best way to deal with it is to realize that your expectations usually unfortunately aren't super realistic myself included um i i was hoping you know once i got to point X or you know whatever you're struggling with right now in therapy or just in general through your day-to-day life once you get to there oh that'll probably be my last hurdle um, and unfortunately <laughs> we, we we always tend to um, you know think that for whatever reason but there, there's always another thing that's going to be a struggle and to, to get through that uh, one thing that I go through a lot with my clients is um, acceptance and I don't mean acceptance like many people in mental health I think, or many people outside of mental health kind of perceive it which is you know stand in the corner and uh be quiet <laughs> it's it's more so looking at what you've went through and what you can learn from it and how that can that that experience and that knowledge can benefit you moving forward so it's uh, that thing is that that uh, aspect of what i do is very very important for someone in uh your situation
3: so it's sort of like coming like coming to terms with Like, okay, this is, like, Allison, I have a question. I actually haven't asked you this. Uh, Are you expected to go back to how you used to be able to use your knee? Like, are you expected to just be how you were pre-surgery but better at some point? Or what's the outlook there?
2: Um, My goal is yes. Like, you know, I think that I'm young enough where, like, the goal is that I can get back full functionality. And my goal is to be able to play tennis and pickleball again. But, you know, I was talking to my PT and like, you know, after six months of of physical therapy, it's sort of like, well, how much longer am I going to be doing this? And she was like, well, it depends what your goals are. So I think for some people, like if you maybe you get this surgery later in life, like running isn't necessarily a goal of yours anymore. So then you kind of can stop, you know, treatment sooner. But because of like my whole goal is, is to get it all back. So that mm-hmm. I think that makes the recovery longer. Yeah, is that yeah, right? Sure. Is that sort of standard?
3: <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, Keegan, I was gonna say. So you're talking about people like accepting their goal or accepting what their new goal is, or how does that work, like mentally?
0: Yeah. So uh, essentially, it's ac- accepting where you are and what you've gone through to get to that point. And, and usually, no matter what situation you look at in your life, there, there's going to be things that you know we didn't do so well. Um I'm I have. We don't have enough time to talk about all those situations for me, but um, <laughs> it, there, there's going to be situations that, you know, oh, I kind of screwed up here and, you know, my recovery and just, you know, my day-to-day life would have been better if I would have done this differently and taking those things and really applying them, you know, in a mindful manner. And again, um, another aspect of act or acceptance and commitment therapy is values. So obviously your values can change. So ACR uh, recovery in your situation, are they're long they're long recoveries. So, I mean, your values might even change, which would change your goals and how you're doing everything. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that it, it's very nuanced, unfortunately, but there, there's a lot you can look at, yeah.
3: What's the C and T? So the A is acceptance and then the how do the C and T work?
0: Uh, it's acceptance and commitment therapy. So there's six different skills associated with ACT. It's kind of like a, you can call it like a cousin to CBT that a lot of people has heard of. So essentially it's acceptance It's acceptance and diffusion. Diffusion was the biggest one for me personally, and I can explain that in a minute. It's mindfulness. Mindfulness and self as a perspective, which is kind of, again, a more difficult one, but I'm more than happy to go through that one. And then values and purposeful action. So those are the kind of moving skills that are, they... they, all fit under the umbrella of psychological flexibility or ACT. So acceptance is the one that we just kind of went through. Uh, diffusion was a huge one for me. So I've always struggled with my mental health. Um, I have very severe anxiety. I get panic attacks and the whole, the whole thing. So uh, diffusion for me is I, I've always had the thought of, you know, I'm broken because I would always get these panic attacks and I would think it was my heart exploding or something crazy. Mm-hmm. So I've always had that thought and it was only compounded after I had I should take a step back i guess (laughs) so i didn't come upon act due to my physical injuries unfortunately i don't learn nearly quick enough to pick it up that quick i wasn't you know a football player who decided to get into this but after i tore my second acl and i really went down the rabbit hole of substance abuse and then i was in a um relationship with who I would find I would be a, you know, a pretty severe alcoholic. And I, I endured a lot of emotional abuse due to that situation. So I knew, and it kind of culminated in me being suicidal for a period of time. So I knew at that point, hey, I need to get therapy. And that that's how I, I didn't see a lot of success with CBT. So I found ACT. So for me, obviously, you know, the I am broken morphed from me just being anxious to me having the broken knees, me being told I was worthless over and over. I mean, it just really became who I was. So I always had thoughts of, you know, I am broken and um, act helped me realize, you know, I, I'm not broken. I'm having thoughts or feelings that I'm broken. It allows to give you that little space in order to take the first step out of where I was anyways. So that, that's um, diffusion. So it's diffusing from your fused kind of cognitive thoughts, like you are something. A lot of people say, I am sad. I am mad. Mm-hmm. It's just a feeling that's going to come and go. You know, you, you aren't that thing. Um, and then you have mindfulness, which everyone knows about. I probably won't go through that one, uh, you know, as much with you. But um, you have self as a perspective, which is kind of an interesting one as well. And it's one that I struggled with the most deciding to put out the book. It's essentially, the, the best way to describe it is there's two different versions of ourself that we all have each day. There's our persona, um, the one that we want everyone else to see versus who we really are. Um, if you take off kind of that mask or the veneer that you're putting out, and and if you, I can, I can prove to you that you've had this daily. So maybe, maybe you're a college student and you're going to class and you're tired because you were out you know, having a drink or playing video games or whatever the case may be. And your classmate looks over at you and says, Hey, you're, you're kind of tired, but you still made it. That's, that's great. And you, you might lie and say, Oh yeah, I was up until three 30 doing X. Well, I mean, you know that you're only up until two 30. Why did you lie? I mean, if you'll, once you know this, you'll start to catch yourself daily, doing like tiny little lies that really don't matter, but you're trying to put forth some kind of persona like, oh, I was up so late and I'm still here. Or an example for people in rehabilitation would be like, you know, how much did you squat today? Oh, I squatted 315. No, you didn't. You squatted 275. Or, you know, I mean, there's a whole thing that you can go through and it's it's kind of the difference between those two. So that's self as a perspective. And then there's uh, purposeful action and values. So values are The best way to describe values is everyone knows about goals. Those are very straightforward. But as far as a metaphor, values is more like north, south, east, west. And goals are like the stepping stones in the direction you're trying to go. And purposeful action, obviously, the rest of them don't mean anything unless you actually do something.
2: Right. I mean, I think having a purpose is a really grounding factor for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. And so, like you talked about, for a lot of people, it was maybe their physical actions were their purpose, right? Like that, Mm -hmm. that they were either professionally involved with sports or they really enjoyed a a hobby that involved physical movement. And so when you take away that part of your life, even if it's just for a period of time, is there something about filling it up with something else?
0: Mm -hmm. That's, that's a great question. It's something that, I really had to dive into when I was even thinking about writing my book. So what I talk to my clients about is you kind of have to ask the question why and get deeper. Like, you know, when you meet someone and you ask what they do for a living, well, I'm not particularly answered in uh, interested in that answer. Actually, what I'm interested is why they're doing that thing. So I, I love football for a long time. Why? well, I, you know, I'm good at it. I have some natural, you know, I'm built appropriately for those kinds of things, but why like deeper than that? Because that's not a real reason to like something. It's because essentially, um, you know, my dad was a coach when I was young and it, it, you know, it formed a really close bond between us. So uh, realizing that there's things underneath it and then, okay, well, I, I, I love forming bonds with people, you know, just as an example. So that's why, you know, the, my therapy and coaching work is, you know, perfect, helping them walk through situations that I've been through, just just finding the similarities, especially in the interim where right, where you can't get right back into your sport, either working on something that you can like for football is this is my example, uh, you can work on like hand techniques and stuff to keep, you know, the big guys off of you, you know, also, obviously, finding something else where you're connecting with people, which is why I got into football. So something like that, I would say.
3: You know, there's a lot said in the media about athletes and mental health. Do you think that there needs to be more done within the leagues or something or I don't know where it would come from, but to help with like how much athletes have their entire value on how well they're doing or their ability mm-hmm. to do their sport because a running theme is Athletes being suicidal after they retire, athletes feeling like deeply mentally ill or, or sick because of, you know, the pressure or things like that. Like, I feel like there's this w- what's missing, like what what yeah. can these places be doing or what what can these you know, what can happen systemically that would help?
0: Yeah, uh, and that's it, it's it's a difficult question and it's a lot of speculation. But what, what I would say is one thing uh, my book is for. People and the, the reason I say this is because mental health is not something that you want to walk into a locker room full of football players and try to sit them down and talk about. It's not going to go well. They're going to laugh or joke or maybe even throw something at you. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, uh, it, unless you're able to repurpose it or like reframe it in a different way. For example, one, one thing that I spent a lot of time doing is looking through research that, mental health isn't also, I mean, it's good for everyone, no matter if you just have a job or whatever the case may be, that's obvious. But if you can reframe it for athletes where, Hey, if you get good at this, you know, cognitive skill, you actually perform better. So if you can package it in a different way, um, I think that would be more useful if they start to do that maybe at the league level or just, uh, bring more awareness to that. There's a way to elevate your game besides. You know, just the the physical aspect of sport, I I think, would be very, very important.
3: Is there any kind of, like... I just feel I just feel like maybe there's there's some sort of ways in which the fans could rethink or something you know you're talking about how like the mm-hmm. athletes would think oh it's weakness or you know just the way that people reacted to Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles and like is there is there something that that the fan base is just missing cuz to say like oh well if you get better mental you'll be better at your sport but like yeah. wh- how do, how do you I, I see these young guys playing college sports, you know, and mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I hear everybody screaming at them and, and that my mm-hmm. team is so important to me and all this stuff. And I'm like, that kid is like 20.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's, uh, unfortunately, athletes are rather stubborn. Uh, if it was up to me, yes, I, I would be, in, uh, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. I would have been, you know, a much bigger proponent of this while you're in it, but it's just kind of the culture a lot of these sports are in whether it's male or female unfortunately uh not that i agree with it at it, it all but i would say no, from a from a um spectator standpoint i, I think it'd be more important somehow I, i'm not sure how you'd go about it but having it more known or kind of val- uh, validated that these are humans out there that y- that you're yelling at that you know I mean that they have lives they have you know emotions they have feelings they have they have all those kinds of things that we kind of uh, I mean I I never thought about Kobe Bryant you know in in his feelings it was all the physical things that he was you know uh, doing in the game so it's just something that a lot of people don't think about
3: yeah and that it's like a grown man screaming at a 19 year old which sometimes you have yeah. to step back and be like, I understand that your family has been a fan of Duke since whatever, but like yeah. you're yelling yeah. at a 19 year old boy right now.
0: Yeah, it, it takes some uh, it takes some mindfulness in that in that in that uh, regard as well. I would think because I, that's just kind of ridiculous. I, I love sports too, but I can't help but see the, the your side of it either.
3: That's why they push themselves and get injured.
0: Yeah, well, if yeah, yeah, if you have a crowd full of those people, it's kind of hard not to, you know. I can understand that.
2: Something I've been wondering about in my own recovery is like, I'm able to say to myself that this is temporary. Like, even Mm -hmm. though I I am so limited during probably this year, like I like Gabby said, like the goal is to get back where I was before and also remove the fear that I had that every single day I was walking and I was afraid my knee was just going to dislocate. Right. So like. Mm -hmm my end, where I'm ending up is in theory going to be better than where I started in this process. Mm-hmm. But what about for people who are dealing with either surgery or an injury or becoming disabled and they're, they're it's not going to be the same, that that they're not going to get back that same level. Do you mm-hmm. approach those clients differently? I would imagine that there's also, you're also dealing with grief there as well.
3: Grief, Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. A, a lot of it is trying to uh, first, I mean the hardest part about any of these relationships is you really have to. I have to speak about. I have to relate to them, you know, or where they're at, because I've went through a lot of these difficult transitions where, hey, you know, four surgeries should probably be enough. We're not playing football anymore. You know, th- those kinds of difficult things where I don't want it to be over. If it was up to me, I'd play for the next forty years. But I mean, that's just not. It's it's walking through them. A lot of times, people think of therapy, and um, I I've only. Uh, I've been in conventional therapy like with two separate people and then my current therapist that I'll probably be in until they kick me out but I, I think walking with someone uh, is very helpful and just again going through why you love the sport so much so you can find other things that because without a life without meaning is you know very very empty and I would also challenge 90% of the people out there that say you know maybe I won't get better unless it's like a degenerative type thing uh, those I obviously won't question or push back, you know, too hard. Uh, But I would say a lot of times uh, people can get better physically with the correct training, uh, which isn't mainstream right now, I would say. So
3: what training?
0: So there's there's a lot of training out there that isn't. So when you go to the gym, 90 percent of the time you see people just doing the same uh, kind of muscle based uh, workouts. There's a lot of exercises that you can do that are specifically joint focused. And I, I was I've been told for the last seven years that I'm pretty much on the fast track for two total knees. And, you know, I was just told that again a month ago cause I had to get my new prescription for my psych meds. And, um, you know, I, I feel better now than I ever have. And it's because that's pretty much all I focus on. Now I'm trying to do some other things cause I actually feel good, but th- there's a lot of things that you can do that aren't just muscle focus but joint focus Because if you think about it, a lot of the ways that people train nowadays are, you know, my, my shoulder hurts, I'm going to completely avoid anything that strains my shoulder at all. Well, I mean, if you think about that, just rationally, if you're trying to get a bigger biceps, would your goal to be to never distress your biceps? I mean, that's right. probably not probably, probably not going to be your you know best plan of action there. So, I mean, it's just kind of uh, challenging the conventional wisdom, in my opinion.
2: Right. You know, but there are people who aren't going to get back the same. level. Yeah. of visibility. No, no, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah.
2: And so what is like the mental You know, what like what are some things that like can help like you grieve that and, move, you know, Mm -hmm. and like reimagine your life in a in a different way, perhaps?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you you use what you really care about a lot of times. Like so say, for example, I I was done playing football and I had some, some of those traumatic events. And what really helped me is if you go into those difficult feelings, you actually find out what you're passionate about because you don't have that kind of severe pain if it's not something you're truly passionate about. And if you can find something in there that you can do moving forward and kind of, you know, preserve that passion that that is usually the way forward. It's not comfortable. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's super fun going into, you know, where, where you have a lot of pain, but that, that's usually where you find the most, you know, fulfillment later in life. It's what I'm I, everything I'm doing right now is out of a place that I would have hated going five years ago.
3: Yeah. Going into the why, like not to psychoanalyze you, but like, you did this to be closer to your father. What does that mean? And then like building a bond with like, you know, your team and your father. And so like how digging into that and being like, what do I actually like? And it's like, I like, Mm creating connections and bonding with people. So what other areas can I do that in is like very, it's very like nitty gritty into like the, you know, specifics of what, which like, even I don't want to do. Like, if it's like, why do you want to do entertainment stuff? You want me to dig into like, my parents didn't pay attention to me. Like, I know, thank you. But like, (laughs) but like, that's something that like, I think people in general don't do enough is like question the why. You know, cause like even, even friends of mine who are like, um, musicians, right. They've like trained so hard at, at their mm-hmm. instrument and it's like, well, why? And they're like, oh, I just love it. I don't know. But if you go deep, it's like, this was the only time that my mom came to my her you know, like, it's always something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's what, you know, made you feel the most special. And there's probably some other components, you know, to it. There's always something there, whether you want to, Admit it or not, there, there usually is something there that's that's a deeper reason. You know.
3: If it's physical and you can't do it anymore, mm-hmm. I mean, I totally hear what you're saying before about, like, I'm worthless. I don't have, you mm-hmm. know, what was there it was a guy on The Bachelor, doesn't matter who, but some guy in The Bachelor was talking about, like, he was... Played sports and then he got injured and it was really traumatic for him because he didn't have an identity outside of sports. And I remember like people on Reddit sort of being like, oh, boo hoo. But I was like, no, that that is like if that's your whole identity and you have to find a whole new identity outside of like what Mm -hmm. you're used to your body being able to do. That's, you know, like what Allison was talking about, about like you're not going to get better to dismiss that. We... So much horror, like, so much of, like, horror is about, like, my body is suddenly not working the way I want it to. That's an yeah, entire yeah. genre. Because that's yeah. terrifying for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, like, I think to discount that as something that has, like, a huge, like Allison said, grief and also, like, an emotional yeah. component, you know, I mean... Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever come across people who are just like, no, this isn't emotional at all? Like, do you have to convince people like this is actually part partly emotional for you?
0: Yeah, the one thing, uh, you know, about being a therapist is generally people know uh, something's not going right. But there there is a misconception. I will say people usually want help, but they want it in the wrong way. Usually when people come to a therapist, they they want to do something better or more efficient what they have been doing they think there's just a way to do it harder until it's you know the it becomes the right thing you know and um the easiest way to kind of describe that is you know if you've done if you do what you've done you're going to get what you've got and, and getting people to grasp that is the hardest part of the first three sessions of you know coaching or therapy or wh- whatever you want to call it so
2: also I've, I've found a hard part of of the recovery process is that like if you don't do these exercises, if you don't mm-hmm. do these things, then you're not going to recover as quickly. But like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> you're going through like the hardest part. It's so true. And like, I don't want to yeah. fucking put my leg in this machine. That's going to cause it to hurt. Or like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like I, I'm finally, mm-hmm. I I'm finally having a full day. I don't want to spend time like trying to get the range of motion back in my knee. Like, it's like, You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so how do you keep people motivated to be doing what they need to do to to Mm -hmm. heal when they're when they're losing that lack of motivation?
0: Yeah. So the only way I know how to or any kind of personal behavior, um, you have to have a big enough. Uh, reason behind it again? It's all back to the why. Well, why are you wanting your full range of motion back in your leg? Do you want to, you know, uh, reconnect with your yoga group? Do you want to do whatever you want to do? Be able to walk again? your
3: dog. Do whatever yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. do. So yeah. I mean,
0: if so, I mean, it, it, you have to have a big enough why. Otherwise, it's not going to pay off. It's you. You can't just want to do it just because. You're never going to stick your leg in that machine for it just because. You know, I mean, there, there's got to be something in there that you really want to do. I don't know what you're super passionate about, like physically, but I mean, there's, you have to have one that's big enough to overset that pain or that frustration, or, you know, the not wanting to take the time out of your day to be hurt.
3: Ugh, I'm so guilty of it though. Like I have a terrible back, Uh right? And everyone's like, just do these exercises and it'll fix your back. And I'm like, what if I took three Tylenols a day and everyone left me alone? How about that? Like, I think there's this mentality and I'm guilty of it where it's like, you know, this mentality of like, what's the quick fix? Give me the cortisone injection. Give me the, Mm -hmm. the, you know, ice pack or whatever. I don't want to have to do these exercises. Like, I think, I think there's such a, a industry built around like quick fix, you know, that the idea of having to do something every day to fix my back, I'm like, Oh, leave me alone. But then I'll like move and twinge my back. And I'm like, I'm 34. (laughs) <laughs> this cannot continue.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to make that decision. It's a, it's a hard one. Everyone, I mean, like you said, there's whole industries, I mean, not small industries. These are huge industries that are built around the, uh, you know, quick fix and they're right. good at what they do. So, I mean, yeah, unfortunate, but they are. Yeah.
3: yeah. And kind of also leads into like, that's the reason why a lot of people who have these injuries get into like drugs and alcohol because Mm -hmm. they're in pain and it's not being addressed and the pain becomes mental also. And it's just like, not, you know, it's not being addressed in a way that doesn't involve quick fixes. And it's like just this horrible cycle.
0: Yeah. The pain treatment is, you know, a, a very, very much lacking. Unfortunately, that's probably like the least sophisticated thing we have right now is the treatment for pain. I mean, it's, essentially just taking meds and there's a lot of experimental stuff, but I have a number of uh, not clients, but people I've have in my personal life that have some like experimental type stuff. And it's still not, still not really working as, as much as you'd hope it, you know, in 2022. So
2: I think also it's so important who is helping you in your recovery. Like I I think about how, before I got this surgery, I was in PT at two different places the year before and like if I had had to do the PT after the surgery at those places, it would have made, been a nightmare. But just because I happened to move right before my surgery and I happened to call up this random PT place and get this random therapist, like our just personalities worked well together. The way that she mm-hmm. managed my care worked well together. Like I, I, I can imagine that my recovery would have been so much harder if I had the wrong physical therapist. And so, like, how much is just, like, finding also the right, you know, occupational therapist, physical therapist, you know, psychologist to, like, help you through this time? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, unfortunately, a lot of clinicians really know what they're talking about, but as far as connecting with people, it's it's not their strong suit. So, I mean, it is, as you alluded to, and I talk to, you know, tons of people all the time that I, I just can't stand my you know, uh, physical therapist. And it's not that, you know, that person's an awful person or anything. I just can't can't connect with them. And, you know, therefore, it's it's really hard for me to make a lot of progress because I'm just unless you connect with people, it's it's very difficult.
3: I think maybe would it help? Do you think if like a physical therapist kind of shared more like, is that weird for them to be like, hey, look, I know this sucks, but like I you know, I went through torn ACLs or whatever. Like, is that weird to do?
0: I don't think so. And it kind of depends on like the situation too. You don't want to be talking about yourself too much, but you want to get the other person's trust. So it's a very difficult, you know, game that clinicians have to play with their patients where it's still about you. We're we're here helping you. But if you don't trust me, we're not going to get anything out of this. And that's especially true you know, on the uh, mental or emotional side, because I mean, even if you hate every second of the physical therapy, you, you, you're like, we'll get stronger. You're, you, you're going to hate it. <laughs> but I mean, you leg like, we'll get stronger mentally and, you know, emotionally, you're, you're not going to get any better with that kind of therapy if you're not really connecting or trust the other, other individual.
3: We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with our guest. We're back. How much do they explain to you what they're doing? Like, how much are they like? Now I'm moving your this muscle because whenever I, I I'm like maybe a terrible patient, but whenever I get a massage and the masseuse is like doing something, I'll be like, why are you doing that? Or like, what muscle is that? Or like, what are? And I, maybe I'm so annoying, but like they're often happy to tell me because it's their job. But I'll I'll be like, what does moving that do? If you press there, why does that do that? Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. do you explain what you're doing? Do you say, hey, I'm going to move your knee like this and it's because or do you Mm -hmm. just like do you just like say like, hey, did you see the latest episode of Love Island or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) My
2: experience, it's both.
3: (laughs) It's both? Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if again, if you want someone to buy into what you're doing, you have to tell them why they're doing it again. Yeah, it's kind of kind of the same. I sound like a broken record by this point, but I mean, um, people aren't going to want to do it unless, yeah. Again, like you, that those are all very valid questions. Someone's moving around your body; you kind of want to know what the purpose is, you know, behind this. So, you know,
2: and for me, it was like right after the surgery was this dance, right? Because she needed to push me, but she Mm -hmm. couldn't push me too much without me. Crying and freaking out and becoming so afraid of her, right? Yeah. So like yeah. it was this thing of like finding where my tolerance was, finding what she could maybe push. Like in her head, she's like, "Well, PT teaches me to push ten percent, but Allison's emotional state and and trauma and fear means I can push three mm-hmm. percent." And then in a month <laughs> later, yeah. I can push five. Like it's this interesting yeah. kind of like give and take because they they can't. I would imagine you don't want to become point of fear for the person like you want to create a place where you're someone who is helping them but if she pushed me too much i would have been terrified of her and i would have been so scared to go and i would have maybe changed you know
0: yeah yeah 100 percent. you're not uh, it's it's all about consistency yes if she would have pushed you like crazy you might have got to you know eight percent but then you would have hated her and then you never would have got past eight percent so it's it's all about that slow progression uh with anything with joints um especially because I mean, it's really hard to find a lot of um, movements or daily tasks where you're not moving your knee. So to be in pain all the time. And I mean, it's kind of important that you improve there.
2: Well, this has been very relevant to my life. And now (laughs) I'd love to ask you to play a game show with us. Would you like to play a game show?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I would.
2: So this, called hypotheticals you and gabby are my contestants i'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations um you can ask any clarifying questions you might have and then you tell me what you would do in that situation and then um we discuss it i sometimes say someone's a winner sometimes i say that's a terrible choice it really fluctuates
0: (laughs) all right all right okay
2: so our first game is america's favorite game show would you stay with this cheater Your partner of eight years has an ex who has become a popular podcast host. During one of the podcast episodes, their ex said that your partner was the worst kisser they've ever dated. A few weeks later, your partner confesses that they went and made out with their ex at a party in order to prove they aren't a bad kisser and that your ex was just remembering it wrong. The ex then goes on the podcast yeah. to confirm that your partner is still a horrible kisser. No! <laughs> <laughs> would you stay with this cheater who likes to bite
3: people's lips? Oh, my God. Okay, so I thought I was like, okay, I'm waiting for the part where they go on the podcast and they redeem my partner, but you made it worse. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. I, was, I was waiting for the turnaround here. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'll I go first, I guess. I, I don't think I would stay with the... Uh lip biter
2: you wouldn't now you've I grown wouldn't. accustomed to the lip biting so you would just leave due to the cheating <laughs> do i hate it we well, have been with them for eight years so i have to imagine you're fine with it
0: yeah
3: oh my god so are they saying by name on their popular podcast yeah. like my partner first and last name and now what yeah. and now that happens to them and then they're and then i dump them you know what i mean they have it's enough bad much. stuff going on <laughs> I think I would stay, I feel bad for them. Oh, they have enough man. bad stuff. You know what it is? It's like when your husband cheats on you and you're and they're a politician and then you have to stand by them. So it's like, I would go on TikTok and be like, I'm standing by my partner. They are not a bad kisser. And just to prove that, I guess I'll marry them.
0: Oh gee, you just escalated. <laughs> you're like, I'm not only gonna date them, I'm gonna marry them to prove how good a kisser they are. Yeah, okay. I feel
3: bad. I stand by your man, you know? <laughs>
0: okay. Well, oh, man. Okay.
3: Are you still out? You would leave?
0: <laughs> yep, I'm out. Too too much past. I'm not doing it. Yeah, doing but it. as
3: soon as you said the word cheater, Keegan went, ugh. So we knew yeah. where he was headed. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it was very little things he could have done there. Sorry.
3: That's fair. But your lip has bled multiple times. <laughs> Put a Band-Aid on it. Suck it up. Yep, <laughs> yep. Suck it up, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Stand by your man. Important. I'm I'm done with We're (laughs) moving on.
2: (laughs) Allison's so pissed. Our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, 13, never washes their dishes before putting them in the dishwasher, even though you have told them many times that they need to because your dishwasher doesn't work very well. You always have to remove their dishes and wash them again. They'd say this is silly because it's quote-unquote clean enough. One night, their new girlfriend comes over for dinner, and you serve her with dishes that are still covered in goop, <laughs> despite <laughs> having gone through the dishwasher <laughs> to prove that they are actually not clean enough. It is very embarrassing for your child, and they always wash their dishes in the future. Also, they marry the girlfriend after a five-year
3: break in their 20s. Are you a terrible parent? <laughs> I think you're a great Ooh. parent. I think you're a great parent.
0: So wait, who who got married? I I, I got a little <laughs> lost there. Who 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 married who in this situation?
2: Your child went on to marry this partner that that had gotten the goat oh, it wasn't the it
0: wasn't the parents' girlfriend or but oh no 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 wow.
2: no no it was, it no, was no the thirteen year olds <laughs> That's even And you served cookie plates.
0: All right, oh, you're a good man. parent. Yeah, yeah, I, I have to agree. I have to agree. That's a lesson. You're going to have clean plates forever now.
3: (laughs) I also want to say that Allison, this is how like in reality, Allison is where she's like, they get married after a five year break in their 20s. Like you don't want to commit to the fact that like someone met their soulmate at 13 and then stayed together. You're like, I just want to let you guys know that it is a healthy relationship because they have explored and grown and been allowed to be by themselves. Right. Is that what you were thinking? Well, I
2: just wanted to make it rich and full and believable. I know that
3: in your mind, you were like, I want to make it clear that this is a healthy relationship where both people have been allowed to grow to be themselves. Like, I can, I know you're thinking. I know how you think.
0: <laughs> I appreciated the happily ever after. It was nice.
2: Cause then you know that you, that it wasn't that the, you're not the reason they didn't work out. They actually ended up married. So, seems like something that I should put in my parenting book.
3: Yeah, are you trying are you still angling to write a parenting book? Absolutely I am. You don't have based, any kids.
2: No, based purely off of hypothetical.
3: <laughs> the book is called Are You a Terrible Parent? Oh my god. That was I like people would buy that book. They really would.
0: I think I'd buy it. So.
3: One down. Wow. So
2: this is I think this is a really good tactic. Yeah, I agree.
0: No. We all agree. Can't be. Surprised if you go through that kind of stuff as a kid. You're going to grow a lot really quick. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's extreme parenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, our final game. Would you forgive this liar? You make friends with someone at your local bookstore. After both reaching for the same biography of Jimmy Carter, you end up hanging out and it quickly becomes apparent that your new friend is very rich. When you ask about it, they say they won the lottery seven years ago and proceeded to make some good investments. Years later, you find out that they actually made their money creating and selling Girls Gone Wild type videos, but they were afraid you would judge them. Would you forgive this liar?
0: Oh, (laughs) Hi, do you okay? I a side question. We got a timeout. Are Are you telling me you sit at home and you came up with these? Yeah. This is all you. <laughs> oh my, my I don't God.
3: have anything to do with this. This is Allison's mind. She writes these every week.
0: Oh my goodness! Oh well, kudos.
2: What's ridiculous is that this is my job. Like I'm yeah, like, that's oh, your I gotta job. get to work, and this is my work. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: okay. i guess th- i had to there's these are very elaborate this is like all the backstory you ever need Okay, so,
3: there's been there's been a few times where i've just like been unable to answer because i've fallen on the floor laughing <laughs> unable <laughs> to handle what is occurring wow okay i qu- follow-up question why were they reading about jimmy carter uh, it's their favorite president interesting You know, because he he was a a famously modest man who did not, you know, he'd sold his peanut farm so as not to have uh, a conflict of interest as the president, a very moral, very uh, modest and humble uh, Democratic president, almost antithetical to what this potential friend seems to be like and about due to all the lying and exploitation
2: So they weren't proud of the exploitation, and that's why they don't tell people about it. They've changed since they made their millions.
3: But Jimmy Carter would not lie. (laughs) So I think I think that's I think they've falsely (laughs) represented. You got to be exactly like everybody you read a biography about. That doesn't make any sense
0: you're trying to emulate them so she's yeah. working on his jimmy carterness you know he's
3: not just reading about jimmy carter that's his favorite president he's 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 a hypocrite so i will say <laughs> i'm not friends with him anymore because he's failing to live up to the values that president carter has instilled in those of us who have read his biography <laughs> oh, my oh my god therefore okay. it's a pass
0: okay what, what, what okay what does this person do now is it a, is it a Uh, um, a guy that did this or Ah. Uh, we
2: can go I feel like that's more exploitative so we can say yes it was a man and now they invest their money in various things but they spend all of their days um, volunteering at an animal rescue
3: what do they invest in Allison
0: (laughs) what's this guy's social security number
3: no, because if what if you're about to say, oh, he invests in ExxonMobil and also Meta, then I have some thoughts.
2: No, he invests in hedge funds that are that only take on take on um, well-intentioned projects and come like ethical hedge funds.
0: Yeah, how long was he putting out the uh, VHS tapes?
2: <laughs> Seven years ago. And how long was he doing it for? Well, he was seven years ago when you met him, and now it's been 13 years. He did it for three years, but he made oh. millions of dollars.
3: Millions of dollars.
2: Yeah. Because he got some good stuff.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> no. I'm gonna just try to digest that for a second.
3: Okay. I can't, I can't besmirch the good name of our peanut farming democratic <laughs> president with this, with this sleaze. I'm out. I'm you out. do think people can change? No. And you heard it here first on this podcast. I do not believe anyone can change. I myself have never changed. I commit <laughs> to never changing. I will never change. And that's what you can count on, baby.
0: So I have to follow that. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs>
3: Welcome to my life. Um, yeah, every uh, yeah. day I try to upset Allison more and more.
0: And so you knew him for like a long time too, though.
3: Yeah, you've like, known him for like He's been lying years. seven
0: years. Yeah, yeah, seven. That's a long time.
3: Has he ever taken me on his yacht?
2: <laughs> no, he doesn't have a yacht because those are bad. I'm out! I, is that, was that a trick question?
0: <laughs>
3: no,
2: I,
0: so I
3: want to go on a yacht.
0: <laughs> so if he would have had a yacht, he's back in the game.
3: <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah, oh, not a private goodness. jet. Those are bad, but a yacht? I'd love to go on a yacht. <laughs> Nobody's ever offered me a yacht.
0: Yeah. I, I, think, I think I'd oh that's a that's just a long time. I don't think we'd be really that close if it was seven years. I could see like eight months. I think I'm gonna have to pass too, you know.
2: Wow. I would forgive because I like to have rich friends. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Only if he had a yacht. Only if he had no a yacht. yacht,
2: no go, baby. That's what they say. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find out about what you're doing and your book?
0: Yeah, uh, The ACL Therapist um, is kind of my home website. That's where the blog is. And you can click on the book link and I'll take you right to Amazon. So,
2: Thank you. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about public breakups.
3: Ooh. between us it's time for topics x x, 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 x baby baby ah. <laughs> oh my god okay so sorry so if you want to know how we record these it's it's we do the interview and then we do the intro and in question and then we do topics so we're coming hot off of the intro right now, intro and international question right now into this. And Melissa just added another <laughs> wrinkle to the tail, which was...
4: So when, when I... All this happened when you first met... Well, I first met Mal, too. This happened...
2: It must have been summer 2019. Yeah, and yeah. it was when
4: I had first started working on the show. And Mal came to the studio that we recorded at at that time and was visiting from out of town... And was we recorded two episodes a day. So they were there the whole day. (laughs)
2: and and Hours and
4: hours. (laughs) And Allison was like, turned to me. You had walked out the room and Allison turned to me and was like, they always just find these randos and bring. (laughs) Why does Gabby always bring these randos? Why does always bring these randos around?
2: Okay, I don't think I've ever said the word
4: "rando." You said
3: "randos" before, after my life. There's you one hundred percent
4: said "randos," <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a rando. Mal was doing work all day in the lobby on their computer. They they ended up being
2: Mal Blum. <laughs> okay, but in okay. my defense, as I explained, Gabby had a history of dating people who would just like always be around like they would just like not have like jobs or or like leave their jobs to just like come spend the day doing whatever gabby and i were doing when we were like working and they would just like sit there and so i think that after a history of multiple people doing that and then mal was just sitting there all day i i was reacting to something
4: so after i had heard that i was shocked that y'all stayed together
2: as long as
3: you did (laughs) me and Val.
4: yeah (laughs) like I was like oh this person will just be temporary and then you kept talking about them and I was like oh maybe maybe but this also was like I'm just like getting to know y'all and I didn't know y'all had a falling out
2: either no we hadn't yet at that time we had not yet okay I think that was in October
3: Yeah. What I was going to say to, to, I was saying before is that like, you know, like when there's a band and then there's like the one person in the band who's like always bringing their girlfriend around and the other band members are like, ugh, that's me. I'm the guy bringing the girlfriend around.
2: No, you know what? I think it was after the falling out. I think it was because the tensions
3: were high.
2: Because we were not in good place. And I don't remember really talking to Mal that day. So I think it was after the falling out.
4: I think it was because there was something off and I didn't know y'all yet.
2: so yes. <laughs> No, it was definitely after the falling yeah, out, which was makes like... me feel better about what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you knew we'd had one. I thought you didn't know the why. I didn't know.
4: Y- yes, you're right. Yeah. I knew wow. you had one a wh- because yeah. you've addressed it before, yeah. but I didn't know the why. Yeah. Wow.
2: I definitely, we had definitely had the falling out. Before that date with Mal, which is like why I think I probably had a a bite to to my comments.
3: (laughs) Wow. Speaking of public breakups. Oh, I was talking about me and Allison. Okay, so here's the thing. I think if you have been very public about being together, you can do a quick little we're broken up. Just a quick, just Mm -hmm. a quick little bite. We have broken up. End. Although I do love the drama of not saying you've broken up and just deleting all of your pictures with that person and then letting everyone figure out that you've been <laughs> you've broken up. But that tells you who did the dumping because the person who deletes all the pictures, that's who got dumped.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I feel so conflicted because I know that the correct answer is that these people do not owe us anything that they do not need to reveal any of the details, that they can just say we're no longer together, please respect our privacy. And as a mental health advocate, I totally recognize that that is fair and valid and was probably best for those people. As a (laughs) gossip, (laughs) I want the fucking details. And I get really upset when people are really public about the relationship and then not public about the breakup. I know this is my fault. I know this is not an okay desire to have, but oh my God, I want the (laughs) details. But you won't, but like, you won't get the truth. The
4: thing is like, you you get to be in front of the speculation, you know? Because people are going to talk about it regardless Mm, and they're going to speculate about it. But if you give the details, of or some sort of information about what happened then that can yeah. stop some of the speculations i believe
3: yeah even if it's with lies yeah you <laughs> can spin sometimes it. i don't even know like i don't sometimes i'm like it's like oh why'd you guys break up i'm like ah, meh. like this these Just i can say right. these terrible things happened and then this terrible thing happened but it's like it feels like it's like a, sometimes an accumulation. So I would like an itemized list of all the, of when it started going downhill and what, what was the last straw?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was like, obviously when my ex-fiance left, I was very public about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I shared a lot of details, but I also feel like I tried to do it in a way that was, helpful to me and trying to also like walk that fine balance of like what is my part of the story to share versus his part of the story to share yeah like a lot of things that I said behind the scenes I didn't like share publicly right you know I don't know but then but I also had like a very kind of like like you said like clear narrative as to what happened but like with my ending of my friendship with Igor, I don't really understand what happened. And so- it's That's what been, I'm saying. I haven't been able to talk about it publicly because I couldn't give any sort of explanation that would be satisfying because I, I don't really know what happened. Well, thank you for right. answering all these people's questions yeah, and like, that have been
4: commenting. He
2: didn't, he didn't want to be my friend anymore. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't have anything really other than that.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like sometimes there isn't like a big thing, you know?
2: Or you don't, you're not cued into- to their what process. it is yeah so, and yeah so i haven't been i haven't felt comfortable talking about that publicly till this moment so buckle up because like i don't have anything satisfying or clear to say and i also feel like it must be a scenario where my version of events is so different than his that like it doesn't feel fair to to speak on it at all
3: i was saying that because because you have a public platform and someone and Igor a little bit does, but Jake didn't at all. So like anything that I felt like when you were sharing stuff, anything that you shared about that was like about yourself and not about him because about, or about things that happened to you that you could verify and not like speculative about him or about his mental health or anything like that, because he doesn't have an equal number, number of people that he can speak to. You know what I mean? Like, like, one voice is way more amplified than the other. You know, it's kind of different than, like, a regular breakup where you could just tell your friends and he could tell his friends, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what's so complicated about these public breakups. But I think I think it's also, like, what you never see is you never see the disillusion of a public relationship. It's, like, happy together, broken up. Like, we're never cued into, like, the part where it's, like, and things haven't been great lately, but da-da-da,
3: you know? To be fair with James and I, We hadn't posted a picture together in like a month and the fans, some fans were commenting being like, are you guys still together? And then we posted a picture together on Valentine's Day literally with the caption, we are not broken up, LOL. And then we broke up like a week later. Okay. And that's my fault. (laughs) They knew, they, the fans smelled the end before I did. Yeah. I think Ali
2: Wong's latest special was her like really ragging on her husband and like being like, pretty unhappy in her marriage and then they like announced their divorce like pretty quickly
3: afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone yeah. was like, "Well, oh, we saw
2: this coming. But that's yeah. the only example I can think of where like you're cued in at all to the not good of the relationship. Mulaney
3: what? would like say nice things about his wife, but he would kind of like say things that you were like, oh, looking back, this is a little shitty. Oh,
2: really? And then...
3: Yeah. And then um, and then you were like, oh, God. But he also tried to seem like a wife guy and he wasn't. But anyway. So, yeah, I think with comedians and with maybe like podcast like people who talk about their personal lives, you can kind of get a sense. But how would you want the disillusion of a relationship to go? What's your ideal? I feel like, yeah, publicly, because I feel like people will just be like happy, happy, happy and then nothing. But but I also think sometimes they stop posting together and you can get a sense like you're like, oh, yeah. something there's there's not good here. Something's going on here.
4: Yeah, I think like with J-Lo and A-Rod, there yeah. was like something weird, like there was something off about their post in between, like when they're about to get, get broken up and people were on yeah. to it. Oh,
2: really? Yeah.
4: Like I was following her and something just felt off. Mm. I don't know. It was just something about the way that she was posting and then something just fell off. She posted right a picture
3: it... of him. His eyes are are blacked <laughs> no. out. X's. You're like, something It was just like a, a vibe. Yeah. 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 And I think Allison people Allison Beth knew. Raskin. Yes. Alison Beth Raskin. Yes. You used to, you texted me one time and said, is so-and-so divorced? And yeah. I, a person who I'm close with uh-huh. at the time. And I said, what? And you said, is she divorced? And I said, why would she be? There's no way she divorced. You said, I looked at her pictures and her ring is not on her finger. A most recent photo that she had posted. And I said, what? And I texted her and she was, in fact, getting divorced.
2: <laughs> Pretty good. And that's why I'm a detective.
3: Like you used to do shit like that all the time. Who's your like favorite
4: celebrity couple? Do
2: you have one? Oh, I like Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell.
4: So, like, if they were going to do a divorce, yeah. how would you like that to be seen? Look,
2: it's really they difficult. They have a podcast. It's really difficult because... <laughs> <laughs> because I know that that's not healthy. Like, the things that yeah, I okay. want... Okay, I think we all get that. So I can have my disclaimer yeah, yeah, that yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah. this shouldn't actually happen if yeah, yeah, yeah. people yeah, should yeah, and yeah. do this? Yeah, Yes. <laughs> so I would love if someone was like... <laughs> <laughs> like, if someone was like, oh, my God. Like, just, like, post a photo of them being like, does me. Just,
3: <laughs> we're is we're fighting me, today. Things aren't going, going to lunch well. i by myself
2: today because my husband is driving me up a wall. We're starting couples counseling tomorrow, but I'm I I'm not totally convinced it will help.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so that's at Kristen least Bill. You, what you want Allison is like realistic depictions of relationships that aren't just like through the filter of like every day is roses
2: yeah, but I also know that's not good for anybody. Like it'd be good for the consumer, bad for the bad for the the couple,
3: you know who kinda does that is Brittany furlan, furlan and Tommy Lee. They kind of like, do you know Tommy Lee? Yeah, from Motley Crew, yeah, so they kind of she's like much younger than him. and she used to be like this vine star. and they're together. They're married. and she's she's funny. Like she'll post like real stuff. Like she'll be like, me. Uh, like my husband going on tour with Motley Crue, me like ready to shank any girl that talks to him. Like she's like, you know what I mean? Like they seem nuts together. And she like will be like real about it rather than just being like, no, he'll never cheat on me. Mm. <laughs> like it's very interesting. Yeah. If they, if, and messy is the
4: thing. <laughs> she's been a guest on my podcast as well. And she's before they were like, when they were engaged, she talked like that.
3: Really? Yeah. Yeah, she said, like, if he like, I'll cut his dick off and stuff. stuff Yeah, she's funny. It's it's weird when also like, like, I really like John Lovett and Ronan Farrow. And I think they have like a little bit of a like tete a tete, which because they're both very smart. But I'm always worried like, oh, don't I hope this is. (laughs) I hope I hope that this is out of love.
4: Some people just talk to each other like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They tease each other.
2: Yeah. There's a big difference for me between two public figures who happen to be in a yes. relationship together, and two people whose life and living is based off of their relationship. And Correct. Then, and then we just are following it, and then we just miss this huge chunk. And then, like, I don't know. And I also think sometimes, like, that it's like, okay, you're getting to see what a real relationship is like, but then, but then we're we're being robbed of the fact that, like, I guarantee that the feelings that these people now have after this, like, hugely devastating moment in their life isn't as squeaky clean as their message about it. Yeah. I mean, of course. I don't know. I, I, I feel conflicted about my own feelings about it. Look, th- look, yeah. that's
4: just a messy part of you. Sometimes you're a messy bitch.
2: <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> you know, you can't be perfect. Yeah. This is a flawed part of me. My desire for tea. We're all allowed to be a messy bitch sometimes. Yep.
3: Wow. <laughs> and it made me feel better. Ah, oh, what do we rate this episode? I rate it one hundred percent highest <laughs> best episode of my life. Most one number one episode. If I had a foam finger that said number one, I would hold it up. Number one. Number one. I'll get. I'll agree. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Why not? Why not?
4: I can't really top wow. that.
3: <laughs> wow. Well, wow. Well, thank you to Keegan Hadley for being our guest and to Mal Blum for stepping in
2: <laughs> to clear up uh, something I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> it's recorded. Just Between
3: Us is a Forever Jog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond-Montz. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Tracy Soren. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at Forever Dog slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com
2: slash foreverdog team or on our channel, youtube.com slash just between us show.
3: Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also at Allison Raskin, at She Is Not Melissa, at Gabby Road, Emotional Support Lady Substack. Patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. And also Allison's book, Overthinking About You. Go and leave a Goodreads or an Amazon review. Um, You can also go to Scribd and see my book, Stimulus Rack. But Allison's, give them reviews. Okay, bye!